Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, welcome back. Thank you for tuning into this weekend's uh, deep dive into why we believe what we believe about silver and gold and why we're hard money advocates, even if that means we may never actually see a true silver or gold standard uh, around the world. We, we still believe in hard physical silver and gold as a real form of, of money, as a way to preserve wealth, as the hedge, and to some extent as an investment because many of us believe it is, is pretty undervalued at current value. So before I go any further, I'm going to keep reminding you guys about this for the, you guys in, still listening on YouTube, which is my majority of my audience. I want uh, to shift as many of you guys as possible to the podcast platform. I'm sick of, of living at the whims of, of YouTube. I'm not going to leave YouTube. I'm going to stay here for the foreseeable future. But the bulk of my audience is on YouTube right now, and I want to soon be able to say that the bulk of my audience is on the podcast platform. My goal is by the end of this year, end of 2019, you guys don't have long, to uh, call anywhere from 200 to 250 uh, uh, listeners, podcast listeners versus YouTube viewers. Bring that number up from 250 to 300 on average, up to 500 listens per episode. You can find my podcast on just about any major podcast platform with just a few exceptions. Um, and, and I'd very much appreciate you guys joining me over there. There's a ton of benefits to it. Um, but mostly, this is a podcast. This is what my content is. It's not videos. And, and furthermore, um, I'm, I'm sick of YouTube deciding what content does and doesn't get shown based on their own whims, based on their own political biases. But anyways, moving to uh, the, the, the main topic of today's video, value. I want to take some time to talk about value. What is value? You know, we, we oftentimes will say the phrase silver and gold are a good store of value. But what does that actually mean? You know, I think a, a common refrain, a, a common criticism of, of our talk about how silver and gold hold value over the long term is, is this idea that value is, is subjective. That silver and gold is only worth what somebody's willing to pay for it, which is true for basically any asset. And I'll concede that that's absolutely true. The value is to some extent subjective. With that being said, we can also say that in pragmatic terms, or in other words, for all intents and purposes, value for silver and gold is much, much more tangible than it is for something like fiat or promises of fiat, which is debt, which is bonds and 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 uh, other forms of, of debt that are oftentimes held as, as assets, um, as, as well as even stocks, right? That's far less tangible than the physical silver and gold and the value that's held within that. Now, I get it. There is this element of subjectivity, meaning that in theory, let's say the demand for silver and gold absolutely collapses. Nobody wants it anymore. Well, you'd see the value decrease. And in theory, there should be no limit to the decline in that value ultimately to zero. However, the great thing about silver and gold is that unlike cash, which is largely intangible, and bonds and other forms of debt, as well as stocks and, and, and 
even some forms of real estate, silver and gold represent a, a, a form of energy storage. Much in the same way that oil, crude oil, is, is a form of energy storage. Quite literally in the case of crude oil. It's, it's the extraction of that energy by the breaking of those hydrocarbon bonds that allow us to, to harness oil, power of crude oil for powering our vehicles, powering our energy grid to some extent, um, as well as creating a whole bunch of other products that are, that are oil-based and, and not so much based on that, but just uh, the, the breaking of those bonds, but, but use oil as a major component. I'm talking plastics and whatnot. Uh, but in a barrel of oil, whether it's from Saudi Arabia or Venezuela or the United States or wherever, um, it, it represents stored value. Not only uh, stored value, not only stored energy, I should be saying, not only stored energy in the sense that it's the physical bonds, but also the energy that went into extracting and refining that to the point where it is up to snuff, that it can be shipped worldwide. And the same is true for silver and gold. They capture a certain amount of energy. Silver and gold in their natural state are widespread and extremely dilute in normal rock, normal soil, whatever you're, you're extracting it from, it, you know, a couple particles, whatever, per million or a couple thousand particles. But at, for all intents and purposes, it's useless and it's widespread and, and it takes a certain amount of energy to create order out of that disorder. Even with a gold nugget, a gold nugget still needs to be refined. It takes energy to create order from that chaos and energy input in the form of exploration and, and the extraction of that from the ground and the refining of that ore into actual physical silver and gold, that takes uh, energy from in the form of, of wages, in the form of, of labor from individuals. It takes energy uh, from, from all the equipment that goes into that. It takes various um, um, chemicals that are needed to refine silver and gold and separate them from, from other elements, from, from other parts of the ore that was extracted. It's an energy import, and that's what silver and gold represent. Yes, they're, they're highly sought after as well, and that contributes to that value as well. But when it's all said and done, they represent a store of energy. And energy ultimately is what makes the world go around, makes the economy go around. Uh, without oil and the energy input from oil uh, we, we, or, or fossil fuels as a whole, um, at least with where renewables are today, we'd struggle to, to function as a society, right? Every major economic... Uh, Revolution, whether it's an industrial revolution or, or something along those lines, has largely been as a result of, of humans better being able to harness energy. Or as, as Steve St. Angelo from SRS Rock Report would say, uh, a, a better way, a better energy return on investment. Right? It takes one barrel's worth of energy to extract 50 barrels worth. Right? That's a positive return. Well, you can store that energy in the form of silver and gold. And that's really what is being represented in, in that value. You know, in, in addition to that, though, it, it's not all about what people want. It's not all about subjective value for silver and gold, that people want silver and gold just because they want it, because other people want it, because it looks good, right? That's part of it. People use silver and gold for jewelry or for ornaments or for, for silver or whatever. Sure. But they also have a huge industrial use as well, which, which contributes to that tangible value. Silver can be used for something. Gold can too. It's a smaller part of its demand, albeit important. But silver, uh, at least half, upwards of half of its 
physical demand generally comes from what we'd consider industrial demand. It's used in the product that you're using to, to listen to today's podcast. It's used in the vehicle that you use to commute to and from work. It's used in your house for a lot of electrical components, used in your TV, your laptops. It's used in, in power stations and, and manufacturing building, you know, warehouses. It's used in, in uh, um, uh, uh, factories. It's used in, in almost everything we use on a daily basis that is in some way, shape, or form electronic. Silver is used in that. Now, that represents a tangible value. Because you're extracting a certain amount of value from those goods. You're extracting a certain amount of value from the device that you're listening to this on. Whether it's for, for leisure or to, to increase your productivity, whatever, it, it wouldn't be possible in today's day and age without silver unless uh, there's some uh, much more expensive and, and uh, less compact uh, substitution, right? It's just simply not possible. Right? And so for silver and gold, that's really what we talk about when we say that it is a store of value. There's a subjective component to it. People want to buy it. People want to hold it. Right? There's a demand, a real physical demand for silver and gold, whether it's from a phone manufacturer or from a central bank or from a silver and gold stacker like you and I. But there's also the value that is found within that energy used to, to create that disorder or create that order from disorder, create that metal from a, a um, very dilute and unconcentrated ore. Uh, and there's also the value, the tangible value that is found within the uses for that metal, right? And, and, and the final use that I think is maybe the most important going forward for silver and gold is not its, its use in electronics or, or other types of industry. That's important, Right? That's going to be important going forward, especially for silver, for many years, for many decades to come, I'm sure. But I think the most important use that we can think of in, in terms of tangible value for silver and gold is its use as money. It's use as a store of value. That's already the case today. But, but if I and so many other people are right in our predictions for the future of the global economy, because of central bank policies, central government policies, runaway debt, uh, erosion of the purchasing power of, of the dollar and many other fiat currencies, uh, the, the future economic picture looks bleak. And many of us envision a major popping of what many people would call the everything bubble, which leads to a major drop in value for the world's currencies, bonds, stock markets, etc. An erosion of confidence in the financial and economic system which historically has led people to move into silver and gold. It even happened 10 years ago during the Great Recession and the financial crisis. A huge influx of demand, especially for silver during that period of time, because people lacked confidence in the system. They even lacked currency, uh, confidence to some extent in their own currency, right? And I think that's going to be one of the biggest uh, uh, shifts that we'll see in the coming years, the coming decades for silver and gold, is a, a, a new life for them in terms of, of monetary demand, regardless if they're actually used as money in the sense of, of being used in exchanges or a currency backed by silver. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Gold. They're still going to be used in the sense that they are a hedge. Even today, central banks hedge using gold. Investors hedge using gold. But I think it's set to increase by by uh, uh, by magnitude of of multiples, right? Not not just five percent or ten percent, but but much much larger than what it is right now in terms of demand for this this monetary value. And and that goes back to my last you know video where we dive deep into these types of, of topics when I was talking about what is currency versus money, right? That silver and gold are real money, that the dollar is currency, but it doesn't really fit the value of money. That, that yes, it's fungible, it's easy to transfer, it's easily recognizable and whatnot, but its value is not stable over the long term. But silver and gold are. Silver and gold meet that criteria for real money. They maintain their value. I know, I know it's I said it at the beginning, but they maintain their maintain their value over the long term, and I think that's going to be one of the big allures for for average investors or or big investors or even countries to looking into silver and gold as a hedge going forward, because I think people are going to quickly realize uh, that that inflation and erosion of purchasing power, whether we're whether they live in India or France or the U.S. or Japan or China, that that has been the case for many decades now. It's always the case for, for cash, for fiat currencies, for the most part. Inflation is, has been a reality of life for many decades now for most currencies. And that that's going to be the case going forward. And that's only going to get worse, that these problems aren't going to be worked out, that ultimately uh, many of these these fiat currencies are are going to be destroyed along with with many aspects of our financial or economic system right you see this huge move into silver gold i think we will in the future on this basis on this basis of maintaining value and this utility as as a monetary asset as a way to maintain value uh, the dollar it people assign a value to it just like they do with silver and gold it's it's an hour's worth of work right let's say 10 bucks or 40 bucks or whatever your, your job is, right? It, it represents uh, the, the money used to, to build, uh, to, to buy groceries, build a house, buy a car, buy a cell phone, to, to whatever. Um, but that's an arbitrary value. There's no real energy stored within currency. In fact, it, it costs very little energy to, to print a dollar bill and even less to, to print it out of thin air. Uh, uh, digitally, as as the Federal Reserve is currently doing at a very rapid pace. There's no energy involved in that. And because of that, central banks can abuse that power with without, at least over the short-term, repercussions. Certainly without oversight. They can create false value. I mean, think about it. Think about if that was a case for silver and gold. If silver and gold, if we had a, a monetary standard based on silver and gold, and some person out there found out how to to turn lead into gold and zinc into silver. Much, much more plentiful elements, cheap elements. What would happen over the long term if, if that was was uh, was not clamped down on early on? What would happen to the value of silver and gold? They would decrease because all of a sudden the market would be flooded with this new silver and gold that was produced using very little to no energy through this through this uh, whatever you want to call it, this this alchemy right and yet when it comes to to the dollar or the yen or or the pound 
or the euro or the yuan or the China, uh, Canadian dollar, the Australian dollar, New Zealand dollar, whatever currency we're talking about here, people don't quite make that same connection. The central banks around the world today have that same power to, to create this sense of value out of nowhere, requiring little to no energy input. And yet people don't expect their currencies to ultimately fall apart. They expect everything to be fine. It doesn't take a genius to understand the implications of that inflation of the monetary supply, that, that the end result of that is inflation of, of the value of that dollar, and then thus the, the erosion of its value. It's inflation, um, and, it's, and it's damaging, right? It's, it's alchemy on, on the level of, of fiat currencies and, and, and central banks, and there will be repercussions of that. And I think many people realize that silver and gold are, are immune to that. Yes, the, the production of silver and gold can be ramped up. There's plenty of silver and gold in the ground. At, at the right price, there will be people mining it. Heck, in the future, at the right price, there'll be people going on asteroids or to the moon looking for silver and gold. It doesn't bother me, though, because that's going to be because people are willing to pay the price to, to do just that, because they're willing to pay the price to, to go and mine silver and gold in, in the far reaches of the globe or the, the solar system because of the inherent value contained within. They're willing to invest that amount of energy to create order from disorder. And that's what I mean when I say silver and gold represent real value. The dollar does not. And, and that shows over the life of the dollar, since the Fed was created in 1913, it's lost upwards of 98% of its purchasing power. Today's inflation, which by official estimates is somewhere from 1.6 to 2.2%, is more likely around 5%, losing 5% of its value each year. And then there's silver and gold, which, yes, with, with improvements in, in mining techniques and whatnot, require less energy input, but nonetheless will always have a net positive energy input to create that bullion or those coins from ore. There's always going to be a positive energy impact and thus a positive amount of energy stored within that and a positive value, which is not necessarily going to be the case for the dollar or the world's fiat currencies because history, if history can teach us anything, it's that fiat currencies ultimately always go to zero. Zero in terms of real value. The only value contained within is the paper that is printed on. We've seen stories of people burning uh, bills, uh, currency, to, to keep warm, right? Stories of that from, from Venezuela or from Germany in the 1920s. And, and I have no doubt that that's going to be the case again in the future in the United States, in the Eurozone, Japan, wherever, right? The, the ultimate value of something like the dollar, which inherently has no real value except the value we place on it, is ultimately going to go to zero because people will realize that it's not worth anything. That it's, all, that it's going to consistently lose more and more value and therefore the value that they're going to assign to it is going to be less and less. Thanks for tuning into today's podcast. Again, if you're in the YouTube world and, and you listen to this on YouTube, I hope that this is the last podcast you listen to of mine on YouTube and switch to a podcast platform. Leave a comment if you want recommendations on which one or what the heck a podcast is in the first place. I'd be more than happy to point you in the right direction. But I think podcast is where I want to go going forward. I'm not leaving YouTube, but that's where I want my audience to be based. Not, not BitChute, not one of those other platforms, which are fine, but again, not quite what I'm looking for. I want it to be in the podcast world, and, and that's where I want you guys to move. I'm not going to be uh, timid about my, my thoughts on it. 
I'll, I'll be happy to hear your comments regardless. Here on YouTube, I'm, I'm happy to have you guys here regardless. But I'd love a couple months from now to be able to say that I average 1,000, 2,000 listens per episode. And on YouTube, maybe 500. I'd be more than happy with that. So as always, thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in to today's podcast. And God bless.